Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. My message for everybody who's listening to this is, 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 is stop shrinking your, your dreams to fit like your current situation or your current reality. What you want to do instead of shrinking your dreams to meet your current situation is you want to expand your mindset, your motivation, and your methodology, your methods to be able to meet your, 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 your dreams, to be able to meet your, your destiny, if you will. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Better. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. Today, I sat down with Jim Quick. Now, if you are a fan of the podcast and you've been listening for a long time, you know that Jim was part of our launch. He was one of the first episodes that we ever released. Jim is a dear friend of mine and I have known him for a while and we always go on a geeky magic carpet ride together when it comes to neuroscience. And that's what we did today. We got together again and discussed his new book, Limitless. And Limitless is a very special book because it is not about being perfect. The through line of this book is about being able to progress beyond what you currently believe is possible for yourself. And of course, we all know that our beliefs are the things that drive our behaviors. So Jim and I sat down and we talked about his model for becoming limitless. And we talked about it through three different silos. We talked about mindset. So whether or not we entertain a high or low belief about ourselves, our capabilities, what we deserve, what we think is possible. We talked about motivation, so how to create drive, how to create and understand your passion and your purpose, and how to even just manifest and create more physiological energy, so taking care of your brain to be able to take action. And we talked about methods. So basically how we can act, what are the tactics that we can act on a process to be able to create the results that you desire. And Jim is like any good coach, brings the horse to water, but doesn't, make, doesn't force you to drink, just shows you that the possibility is there. And the structure of his book is, is quite phenomenal. So I'm very excited for when this book comes out in the public. And I will let you in on a little secret. Throughout 
the podcast, but particularly towards the end of our conversation, there are a couple of Easter eggs in there for you, the listener, and he details them. I won't tell you what, but they're pretty phenomenal. And if you get through them and you find them and you take action on them, there is going to be some, uh, maybe some presents for you. So not saying anything, but you just got to listen to the whole episode. And we really talk about, I mean, the whole through line with his work. I mean, he has spoken to and has taught some of the biggest names on the planet, all the Marvel, all the X-Men, uh, the likes of Will Smith, Gerard Butler, uh, any name that you can think of, Bill Gates, uh, Richard Branson, any anyone that you can imagine, Jim has either been in contact with them, has taught them, um, and has educated them in some way. So Jim is a powerhouse. He is humble AF, so which is something that I also really appreciate around someone who is as well versed and as knowledgeable and as powerful as he really is just a simple guy. And sometimes simple is the most elegant that we can be. So I really appreciate that in him. And yeah, we talk a lot about his, uh, how we can cultivate brain health and how we can be the best that we can be. And of course, in this episode, like all of them, I have my geeky magic carpet ride show notes, my extra geek, extra magic. So just go to bettershow.co forward slash show notes. And this is my virtual prescription pad studies if, when we discuss them, personal best practices, my prep notes for our conversations. So you get all that. It's free. Uh, just go to bettershow.co forward slash show notes, S-H-O-W-N-O-T-E-S. So without further ado, please enjoy my neuroscience-laden friend and my conversation with Jim Quick. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. 
In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot, as I have been doing, with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. All right, Jim, welcome. You are my official repeat guest on the podcast. Welcome to Better. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Stephanie, this is a real honor and a pleasure. And thank you, everyone who's listening and or watching this right now. I'm so so excited to have this conversation. And we are going to be talking today about your new book, Limitless. And as you know, uh, I was telling you a little bit in the pre-chat, I'm in the process of writing my own book. And as I was reading your book, of course, uh, as any author might attest, you know, once you are in the process of becoming an author, you start looking at the way that people are structuring their books. So of course your content is, is, is outstanding and we're going to dive into that today. But I also just wanted to note that the way that you have structured the book is also setting up the reader to win. Like there's so much neuroscience in it, but you can see you've really thought about the different ways that people might learn. And we're going to talk about some of those different ways today, but you've, you've seeded that through the book and it's just like my hand, my, you know, I bow down to you because it was just as genius. I, well, I thought that, you know, it's a book about learning how to learn. And I thought presenting it in a way that is, that is easy to grasp and easy to understand and also easy to apply and integrate um, was really was really the outcome. So so thank you for noticing it was the, the content and also the context. The, the structure is so important to to learning. And yeah. there's definitely a method behind it. And congratulations. I, I cannot wait to read your book. Oh, I'm I'm excited. Like I said, it's it's like birthing a child. Like it's just I'm in I'm having all the labor pains right now, but I don't have the baby yet. I don't have my book baby yet. But uh, when it's done, you'll be certainly one of the first people to see it. So, uh, so let's talk about let's talk about the title because I I'm a word geek. I love words, and this, and then we'll and then we'll tuck into the material after that. But what why was the title limitless for you? Why was that the title of your book? So it is one of those things where a word there's uh, we know have we know words have different effects on on the human brain. The words we choose to use uh, have a lot of power. A limitless for me, I feel like because I grew up with so many of the opposite, or I felt like I had so many limits that I placed upon myself through, um, or maybe it was a circumstance of, and maybe people could relate to this that they somehow felt some 
held back by a label, uh, by their environments, by the experiences, uh, by um, external things. And um, I feel like right now that if anyone who's listening to this right now can think about an area of their life where they felt um, like they're not making progress in, in an area that they're, they're working hard though. Um, and so my, my thought process was how do I build this uh, aspiring movement where really show people the power that they have. And Limitless is not about being perfect at all. It's not about having a photographic memory or just to be able to just you know read something in, 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 a, in a minute or two. It's, it's really about advancing beyond what you believe is possible. And I wanted to show people really what's possible in a world of technology where it's amplifying certain, you know, overload and distraction and, and these, these things that you, we, with the ultimate technology is, is the human brain. And I, I wrote this book to be an owner's manual for showing people how to, to, to upgrade that. Like they, as, much, as often as they upgrade maybe their apps or their phone to be able to upgrade the, the potential of their minds. And so I believe that most all limits are learned and the, and the good news is they can be unlearned. And that's why I wrote this manual. I love that. And I, I love that because what we're essentially getting at is that beliefs really drive our behaviors. So you really get down to, uh, and you, you break this out in your limitless model, uh, which is which when you look in the book, it's like a Venn diagram with three intersecting circles around how we can, like you said, not be perfect, but progress beyond what we think we're capable of. And that's why I think that this book is such a seminal piece of work because you can continue to revisit this book over and over as you continue to shed the layers of your beliefs in order to continue to ascend. So I, I just... I'm so excited to let's let's start talking about the model. So let's talk about those three circles that I referred to. Your limitless model. What is it composed of, and uh, what what is the meaning behind it? Okay, so the limitless model is uh, is a framework for not only accelerated learning, but, but for accessing human potential. And so I apply it towards accelerated learning, but people could use this model. To, as an explanatory schema for why we're stalled in certain areas of our life. And I think this conversation right now is very, it's very topical because, you know, while it's wonderful to read a book a week, while it's wonderful to remember people's names and learn languages and uh, maintain your focus, even in the background here, you hear some <laughs> sirens and I'm in, happen to be in New York City right now. And so it's a great exercise of having people to exercise their, their focus muscles, if you will. Yes. The book, um, is a model for human achievement and also mental fitness. And that's something I'm very excited about, being a brain trainer for, for almost 28 years. It's something where I want people to become mentally fit. And so what I want people to do is make this conversation uh, kind of like a, like, a, like a little workshop. I want everyone to think about an area of their life where they feel stuck. Yeah. Maybe it's they're not making progress in their career, Maybe they're an entrepreneur and they feel a little insecure about are they doing things right? Um, or maybe they're stalling, they're procrastinating, they, um, they're some, at some level they feel like they don't deserve it. Or uh, maybe it's an area of health or wellness. Maybe it's their finances. Maybe it's uh, something going on in their relationship. So I want to have everyone to have something very, very specific. And so the first 
there's three M's that keep us in a box. And it, metaphorically, if you feel like you are in a box um, in this area, it's a 3D box, like a cage, right? And you just don't know why. It's like you listen to podcasts or you read books or you go to conferences and you're not, you're not progressing like you feel like you should or like everybody else you think is. Right. And um, so the first M, the first circle or three dimensions, the dimensions that keep you in that box is your mindset. Now, this is something you and I have talked about in, in your previous episode that we had this conversation. I mean, everyone knows the importance of mindset. And if you believe you can or believe you can't, either, either way you're right. As Henry Ford talked about, that I talk, always talk about all behavior is belief-driven. But, you know, we're not, we're not born with these beliefs or these mindsets. And, and we know through the work, seminal work like Dr. Carol Dweck, who wrote the book mindset, the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, that it could keep you in that box. That if you believe that that you are a certain level of intelligence, or you believe you have a certain level of potential, or you have a certain earning capability. For me, mindset really is a set of assumptions and attitudes about something, about the world, or about especially ourselves. And uh, and these things, these when we evaluate it, a lot of this has to do with self awareness, meaning that. When I, um, I was struggling in school and one of my teachers, you know, out of frustration, and I don't think it came from a, a bad place. I actually feel like um, when she, she pointed to me and said, that's the boy with a broken brain, in context, as I evaluated as an adult when I was nine years old, because I was, in, I was holding the class back and I was getting teased for it by my classmates i think it was her way of coming to my defense saying hey you know cut it out you know this is this is this boy you know has challenges and but that but all i heard was that broken brain part of it and that became my label and that label became my limit and that put me in that box right and then i just reinforced that box every single time i had a thought it kind of wired that that box to be you know stronger and stronger so mindset really is for me functionally is what you believe is possible what you believe you are capable of what you believe you deserve that would fall under mindset the second m and i think everyone could think about let's say, let's take something simple like remembering names. I know a lot of people have struggles and will apply it towards something simple like that. Um, somebody can have the ultimate mindset, but if they don't have the second M, which is motivation, they're still going to be in that box. So maybe you're in that box about your challenged memory, right? But maybe you believe, you've seen me do demonstrations, you're like, oh, that guy can memorize all that stuff and he had learning challenges and three traumatic brain injuries. You know, maybe I could do that too. But then the second M is your motivation. Right, and motivation is so important. And when I say motivation, it's a loaded word, and I'll be the first to admit it. Some people think that motivation is just going to an event and jumping on chairs and wave, you know, just right, clapping and singing. Exactly, yeah. and it, that excitement is not is not what I'm talking about because that that wanes, right? That doesn't you, you go to get really excited after you listen to a podcast and feel like you're motivated, but when the podcast is over, you don't nothing changes. So the proof, the evidence that you're motivated is that you're taking some kind of action, your motivation. I mean, almost the word action is almost built into that word. And so I believe um, a couple, there are a couple of lies, just like there are lies around learning. Uh, and I, when I say lies, I, it's a, it means it stands for something, of course, as, as a... You are the acronym ninja. Yes. Yes. <laughs> lies stands for limited idea entertained. 
And when you think about it, it's not necessarily the truth that you have a horrible memory, but this is an, an idea that you choose to get energy that you're entertaining, you know, in that moment. Uh, motivation is another one of those things where I think there are some lies around motivation. For example, some people believe that motivation, you have to be motivated for something, you have to enjoy it. Um, and I love to bring joy to the things that I want to do, but I like I grew up in the Northeast. I don't like cold at all. I really, really dislike cold, but every morning I will take a, a cold shower or I, I will take an ice bath and I'm motivated. I never miss a day, uh, but I don't enjoy it. And so, you know, that, that's a, that, that would be a lie in my mind. I know a lot of people who work out and they do it every single day, but they don't necessarily have find a lot of pleasure in it. I would say always, you know, if you can bring joy to it, do it, you know, give yourself that gift. But you, people still can be motivated and not necessarily want to do that action. Um, and I think it's very important also to step out thinking when I'm thinking about motivation is that I believe that a lot of the treasure that we seek is hidden in the tasks or the actions that we're avoiding. Meaning that the, it's very uncomfortable to have that conversation or to do that thing. Um, and that's part of, you know, uh, you and I geek out about the human brain all the time. It, it's really wired for survival and not to be uncomfortable and be and rather be safe or, you know, away from perceived threat, um, which is an interesting conversation to have, you know, during during this times of, of where sometimes our, our mind gets hijacked or our amygdala gets hijacked by fear or perceived fear. threat out yeah. there. And, um, you know, and that, that also, it's, 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 a, it's an epidemic, right? This, this virus of the, of the mind, the virus of fear that gets, that gets passed on. Um, but going back to motivation, for me, it comes down to three components. And there's a formula for motivation. And very simply for me, it's P times E times S3. And very simply, for me, motivation comes down to first purpose, having a reason. When you define purpose, I'm thinking about having a reason for something. And it doesn't have to be your life purpose. It could be, it could be if you could tie it into that, your motivation, your drive. But I mean having a purpose. So I don't necessarily love taking cold showers, but I have a real reason and purpose for doing so. Yes. And I allow myself to feel those benefits also as well, you know, whether it's, for me, it's a big nervous system reset. I feel amazing, um, you know, afterwards. So I just focus on that and I allow myself to feel it. Um, but that once you have a reason, for example, remembering names, having a reason to remember someone's name, a lot of people don't learn as fast as they could because they're not connected to the relevancy or the rewards that come from, from doing so. You know, they might know it intellectually, but they don't allow themselves to feel that. And so for me, remembering people's names has is, is become more of my identity because I know what it feels like when you forget somebody's name over and over again and you're asking for it or you make you call someone by the wrong name. Or I know how it feels when people forget my name, right? So I allow myself to feel that, which gives me a real reason. And over time, I get hardwired to remember names because I'm very motivated, starting with reason. Now, for me, I go through these thought experiments where I um, and maybe you can appreciate this. It's just I'm looking at this for, the formula. I'm saying, okay, if, if somebody just has a big enough reason, are they always motivated? And I'm asking myself the opposite. In what cases are they not motivated, even when they have a reason? And then I'm thinking, well, maybe somebody wants to read. They want to exercise and, uh, every single day, um, and they have reasons. They know who's. And one of my questions that I ask to get 
motivated and find my purpose is who's counting on me to be be healthy who's counting on me to show up because i realized that i would do a lot more for other people sometimes than i'll do for my for myself and i'll really feel that but if you're not exercising or reading that book every day you know what to do but we're not doing what we know then i feel like one of the things that could be missing is the e which is energy so maybe you're not working out because you just had a really bad night's sleep the night before, or maybe you're not reading, uh, maybe your, your motivation, you want to be able to read more, read a book a week, right? Leaders are readers, and you have the reason, but you don't have the energy because you ate like all this processed food, and you're in a food coma, and you can't get yourself motivated because, because of those reasons, because your energy depleted. And, and again, I feel like you don't have motivation or you don't have energy. These are things that we do. And so in the book, I talk about things that you and I have talked about to be able to, to generate more energy, everything from the foods we eat to managing our stress, to be able to optimize our sleep. And so we did a whole section on energy. And then I, my mind goes, okay, you have the reasons, right, the purpose, and you have energy. Is there any case where you won't do the action? or you don't fulfill on that motivation. And I said, yes, somebody could have a reason, they could have boundless, sustainable energy also as well, and still not act, because that thing that, they're, that they wanna be motivated to do is just too big in their head, or it's unclear, or it's confusing. Right. Right. And a confused mind doesn't do anything, it just, yeah. it just freezes, right? And so maybe you wanna be motivated to start a business, or you wanna be motivated to, you know, have the most this perfect body or the you know, you're motivated to have this amazing relationship but that's that's way too big and so s3 stands for small simple step small simple step like once you have the reason and you have energy what's the smallest simplest step you could take to make progress towards that goal and the question i would ask is what is what is one thing you could do so small that you can't fail and really motivation comes down to energy management, where having a purpose gives you energy for something. Having energy, like mental energy, gives you obviously providing vitality for you. And then finally, if you break it down into small, simple steps, then that requires very little effort. It requires very little energy. And so I feel like if you had all three of those things for anything, whether it's reading a book or a week or exercising or anything that would help you make progress, then you'll have sustainable motivation. It's not something you have to hype yourself up to. It's something that it happens more organically and naturally. So in that chapter, in that section, it would be focuses on, we focus on small, tiny habits as Dr. BJ Fogg has talked about, mm -hmm. who is a Stanford University um, behavioral psychology lab and and breaking it down in the smallest pieces so maybe you want to read a book a week but maybe that small simple step is just opening the book or reading one sentence or flossing one tooth or putting on your running shoes really really tiny steps so that's motivation and then the final m in the model is are your methods for doing so so you could be stuck in that box meaning that maybe you have this on this limitless mindset anything is possible and you're capable of achieving it maybe you can even be motivated you have uh, you have drive you have purpose you have energy you, and and everything but you don't know what to do because you're lacking the methods the method is the actual process and so small simple steps are like these small little tiny 
um, incremental things. Method is the full out strategy for getting there. And so maybe you have this mindset that you can um, that you can read a book a week and you think it's possible because you know it's been done and other people could do it and you could do it and maybe you're motivated to do it but your method for reading something is like how we learned back in school it, it constitutes regression and back skipping and sub vocalization saying the words to yourself so it slows you down you're using antiquated methods or maybe it's building a business and you have the limitless mindset limitless motivation but the methods you're using are just old marketing tactics right for management you're not going to you're still going to be stuck in that box now the beauty of the of how what i love about this model is it's very elegant meaning that it's an explanatory schema for when we're falling short or we're not making progress because it's a self-evaluation tool where you could go okay i'm not making progress in this area towards this goal is it is it in my mindset do i have a belief that's holding me back do i not believe i i deserve it or is it I'm not, am I not taking regular sustainable action because I don't have the motivation and drive? Or am I just using methods that aren't going to get me where I need to go because they're either antiquated or they're just, they're just false? Um, now, when, when you're looking at the Venn diagram, which kind of looks like you can imagine two circles, there's three circles, like kind of like a Mickey Mouse like two ears and then and the, and the head and the face. That's exactly where, what it looks like. <laughs> That's exactly where, it. <laughs> where, the model, yeah. um, where mindset and motivation cross over and there's just shared space, you have inspiration, meaning that, and these words are very, are very telling, right? There are books on just mindset. There's a book called Mindset. There's books just on motivation. And when they cross over, I'm going to give everyone uh, three eyes. Um, you have inspiration, right? And they're inspirational speakers and they're inspirational things on inst videos on, in on Instagram, um, which, which, is, which is wonderful, but we still, you can be inspired and still not do something because you don't know what to do. Um, and where you have mindset crossover with methods, you have the mindset that anything is possible and you know what to do, and that's ideation. Because you're still not doing it, it stays in your head, because you're not motivated because you're lacking the the motivation circle right and then finally if you have motivation and you have methods then you have implementation right if you're motivated to do something and you know what to do you have implementation but you're still stuck in that box because the mindset is missing meaning that you might not believe it's possible for you you might be motivated but still not get the results or you might get a result that's subpar to what you feel you deserve right maybe you feel like you don't deserve to be able to to enjoy that relationship or enjoy that that health or maybe you, you may you don't believe it's possible for your, yourself and now when all three of them intersect i'll give you everyone a fourth eye which is which is integration mm -hmm. integration is that limitless state that is the state where it is just who you are and i feel like there's some areas of our life where we where we step into that state or maybe even live in that state in certain areas of our life. And my goal with this model, not only is an explanatory schema for explaining, you know, and takes the judgment out also because it allows you to have agency back 
instead of as, as opposed to being a force that is just how things are, that it's fixed. It also provides you with a, a learning tool because if you want to model genius, if somebody is, and I'm not talking about IQ, but somebody who's successful at the endeavor that you, that you aspire for, you could use it as a, as a framework for asking, what is this person's mindset what are what are their what are uh, what are their primary beliefs they have around around this activity around this goal around they, what they deserve or what is their going to motivation what is their you know asking them questions like what is their purpose you know what is their their drive how do they get that where's where's their focus or what are they doing to optimize their energy every single day so they have vitality to to sit, have sustainable motivation or what are the small simple steps that they're executing where are they where's their starting point in, um, in terms of you know, getting traction to something or looking at the actual process themselves, the, the actual methods. So it allows you to go and look at his, somebody and then role model genius, because I believe genius leaves clues in these three areas. Like the, my, my message for everybody who's listening to this is, 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 is stop shrinking your, your dreams to fit like your, your, current situation or your current reality what you want to do instead of shrinking your dreams to meet your current situation is you want to expand your mindset your motivation and your methodology your methods to be able to meet your 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 dreams to be able to meet your your destiny if you will it's you know the book is about learning but what we're really talking about is is self-actualization which is what everybody wants everybody wants to just feel like themselves. They want to be cool with the skin that they're in. And I think that that's really just a lifelong endeavor that most of us, you know, if you're awake and you're conscious to that path, it's, it's about subtraction, right? It's about taking, you know, taking the limits off that you have, that you have accepted from, you know, mothers, fathers, teachers, preachers, from the people that you have, uh, you know, grown up with and their frameworks and their mindsets. So I, I love this book because it's it's really at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want to feel good. I mean, and we want to, I love the, what you just said about around genius. And we'll we'll talk about this as we dissect each individual piece. But one of the things that I have come to accept around genius is you don't dream about things that are not meant for you. You know, like I have never dreamt about becoming a physicist or a mechanical engineer, you know, because that's just not where my genius is. And to your point around genius leaves clues, if you have the courage to listen to your genius, it will never, it will never, you will never stray from where you are supposed to go. So I just, just love what you said. So, all right, let's talk about learning because you and, and again, uh, I, I know I'm singing your praises and I will continue to do so because I just enjoyed this book so much. You do what any great coach does is you, you bring the horse to the water. You say, here's the water and I'm going to, you know, uh, you allow the reader to actively engage in the drinking part of it. So you start off by, in the book, talking about learning and setting up the best environment, both emotionally and physically for learning through an acronym that you call uh, or that you name FASTER. So can we, can we look at that for a moment and why that's so important before we even start talking about, or sure. before we even like deconstruct what mindset is, what motivation is, let's talk about FASTER and then maybe we can parse that with the ants and you've already talked about the lies and, and, and uh, the BS as well. Of course, of course. So 
I believe that um, this is this book really was a book just on methods initially. It was a book on tactics and strategies on how to do all these things to be able to, to read faster and learn languages and, and words and remember names and improve your focus. And they were based on, on these five areas of meta learning. But I realized that, that a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Right, the common sense, as we've talked about, is not always common practice and what keeps people from actually doing the things that they, they should be doing. And uh, part of it is as we open up the book, I want people to get the most out of the book. So we teach them this faster method as a way to apply towards learning anything, whether it's in a book or it's in a podcast uh, format like this, or they're sitting with a college professor or an educator simple things that they could do. So the really quickly, the um, and this might be testing everyone's focus, if you could hear the, the yes. background noise. <laughs> it's, it's funny because distraction is a muscle, but so is focus. Yes. So, um, so this is a great opportunity, again, to learn under real conditions because there's always rings, pings, dings that are challenging our focus, uh, our level of concentration. So it's a great opportunity to build some mental muscle around it. Um, so faster as an acronym, the F to learn anything subject faster and who wants, no one wants to learn a subject slower, right? The F stands for forget. And you're like, Jim, you're the memory guy. Why, why are you talking about forgetting? But I feel like one of the things that keeps us from learning faster is just this idea that we already know something that what keeps us from a level of capability and skill um, and expertise is saying to ourselves, oh, you know, I've learned this already. And what I find is the people who are world-class, they get really good at the, at the fundamentals. They love the fundamentals, they love the basics. And so the, one of the basics, the ideas here is forget what you already temporarily, what you know about a subject, so you're open to something brand new. I mean, the, the metaphor I use is about your mind is like a parachute. It only works when, it, when, it, when it's open. But this is like Zen, where you're coming from a beginner's mind, and you're very open to new ideas. Because a lot of people, they don't learn because they feel like they already know something, and that keeps mm -hmm. them stuck. They say they have 20 years of experience in this. What can I learn? Anything that, that's new. But when you dissect it, you realize that they learned this 20 years ago, and all they've done is repeat that 20 times. So it's not really 20 years of experience if it's if it's static and there's no growth that's there. I would also it's one year repeated 20 times. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's just a reminder to everybody who's listening that there's some area that we we maybe fall, um, you know, trapped in that in that area. So the the other thing you want to forget that would help you to learn faster is just forget about what's going on in your environment and the external environment, and also the internal environment. Um, you know, it's very difficult to maintain your focus in multiple places, right? When we're talking about cognitive multitasking, and if we're always switching from one thing to another, we're not going to learn with a level of fidelity, accuracy, um, acumen, when we're, are, we're distracted. So if something comes in your mind, do the best you can, obviously, to, to manage your environment. But if something comes in your mind, like, oh, I have to pick up the kid, I have to do this, just write it down. Because unconsciously, I feel like it gives people permission to just release it that it, they know it's captured and then you could be fully present because when we're distracted we learn slower and then finally i would say forget about what you believe is possible and that's not always easy right but having an open mind is also believing that that you can do this in, in a way that's um 
that is that is, that could be absolutely extraordinary. So that that's really the the F. The A. <laughs> that's my dog in the background too. I don't know if you can pick that up on the, on the microphone. Um, the A stands for active. That if you want to be a, a faster learner, you need to treat learning as as a real activity where you're rolling up your sleeves and you're getting fully involved. That learning we are taught back in school unconsciously. It's just you sitting there quietly consuming information. And we know the human brain doesn't learn best through just through consumption. It learns through creativity, through creation, and making things your own, making it personally meaningful for you. And learning is not a spectator sport. You have to get involved. And so always asking questions like, how can I be more active in this process where learning is not happening to me? I'm actually actively engaged in the process because the more of your nervous system that comes to bear, the more you're going to ingrain it and encode it and, and more likely to be able to apply it. So it could be something simple like asking questions. And I talk about the three key questions that take knowledge and turn them into power. These are the questions I obsess about and I would offer them to you, the listener, to, to entertain while we're having this conversation. Number one, how can I use this? I'm so obsessed with that, that information, that question, because I start seeing answers all the time. I come up with these creative answers of how the different ways I could use this when I'm reading a book, whether it's on business or the brain or anything I'm, I'm interested in, I'm always asking, how can I use this? How can I apply this? Otherwise, it just stays like a theory or an idea and nothing changes. The second question I ask all the time to make it more active is this question, why must I use this? And that's really tapping into the motivation part of it. Um, so the first question is, is part of my mindset and the creative ideas of all the ways I could apply this and benefit from it. And then the second question is why, 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 why must I use this? What are all the rewards that come from applying it? And then finally, the third question to make it more active, you know, as you're taking notes or as you're listening is when will I use this? Because I find that one of the most powerful productivity and performance tools we have are our calendars. But, and yet, and we know this, but a reminder to everyone who's listening to this is if it's not in your schedule, we know there's a good chance that it's not going to get done. And we schedule things like, you know, for the kids or we schedule things for work or meeting with that investor or that potential client, but we don't schedule sometimes the things like our, our own personal growth or where we're gonna, and if it doesn't happen, if you don't schedule it, it's the last thing to happen, even if it does happen. That's why a lot of people, they don't work out because the day, you know, escape them, they'll say, and then they have no energy at the end of the day, and that that's what gets, you know, lost in the mix. And so active is asking those three questions. Active could be taking notes, which we talk about in the book, active note-taking, whole brain note-taking, because we know there's a, a learning curve, but we also know there's a forgetting curve also as well. And that's a challenge that, you know, research suggests that when you learn or exposed to something once, that within 48 hours, up to 80% of it can just be lost. And we've all had that experience where we study something and then a couple days later, we don't retain as much. So taking notes is a great way of capturing it until you can encode and store it using, you know, the largest chapter in the book is the chapter on memory. Because I feel like if you can't remember all of this, then there's nothing's going to happen either. So that's the A. 
And then going fast forward through this really quickly, the S is state, which you and I have talked about in, 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 um, in detail, meaning that the state you learn something in is a state that you're also going to encode it and also be as excited to apply it also as well that all learning is state dependent and we always have control over how we feel about something. And by adding emotion to information, it makes it more memorable, right? When we add emotion to information, it becomes almost unforgettable. And we all, we all have a song or a fragrance or a food that can just bring us back, bring it back all these memories, right? So control our state in two ways. And we talk a lot about state control and state management in the book is just through our physiology and our psychology. You know, the, 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 the words and our thoughts are the language, let's say, of the mind, the feelings that we have are the language of the body, and we can control our body, we can control our thoughts, but sometimes they, we're on this default where we just kind of go and we're running these past scripts and these past habits of the mind, if you will. And so I think everybody who's listening right now could rate themselves on a scale of zero to 10. You know, how much, how much energy do you have? Um, what's your level of, of connection or your level of motivation right now? And then you could play this thought experiment saying, okay, if it's a five, how do I make this a seven in our mind? Just like a little mind game that we play with ourselves, And then think of fun ways of, of saying, okay, well, if I think about it this way, or if I, if I pull my shoulders back this way, or if I just play some music or, or do this, I just get more engaged, right? And so that, that part of state management, the T in faster stands for teach. And if you want to learn anything faster, I always, one of the benefits that accelerates my learning with anything is I learn with the intention of asking, like, how do I, if I had a fourth question, it'd be, how do I teach this to somebody else? I'm like obsessed with that because as a teacher, as a coach, I'm always wanting, you know, I learn something, number one, to benefit myself, but number two, to benefit other people. And so I'm very driven to learn something specifically so that I could teach it to other people because I feel like, you know, and which is one of the motivations for this book. It's like you learn it for yourself. And I wrote this book for the 18 year old version of me that was struggling and suffering and, you know, had learning challenges and was, you know, had trouble motivating themselves and doing all these things. And, um, but when I think about, like just having it for myself, I was like, shame on me if somebody is suffering or struggling with overload or distraction or self-worth or, or procrastination and I don't share this with somebody. So learn to teach. Right. And everyone knows if they have to listen to this podcast over again and, and you think of somebody that you love that you wish was listening with you, but in, 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 would you go through it again with the intention of teaching that person or giving like a little you know, talk uh, like a little TED talk on Monday to your team about it, you would learn it with such better focus, right? You would learn it uh, and really ingrain it. And the words you would use to explain it would be your own words, not the words necessarily from that expert. You know, it would be personal to you. And so learn with the intention of, uh, of teaching it to somebody else. And that will increase your, your speed and velocity of learning a subject or skill. And then finally, the E and the R, when we're talking about this, this faster, um, the E is, is to enter. And uh, what, I'm, what am I entering? I'm going back to my schedule. I'm putting it on, like I'm scheduling my learning. Um, a lot of people want to read every day, but they're not scheduling that reading time or that meditation time or you know, that journaling time. It's extremely, extremely uh, important. And finally, the R in faster is 
review. Review, meaning that in order to be able to mitigate the forgetting curve, what you do is you take time after every session, maybe it's a chapter of a book, in, for example, in, in this book we do like a review at the end where you have that spaced repetition and that spaced review. And having that interval in between allows you to consolidate the information a lot better and take it from your short term and help consolidate to long term memory. And so that review is very important. So you don't just want to learn it once. You want to be able to pick it up again maybe the day after and just review it, your notes. And so it becomes very ingrained and functional. And I, I think that this is, I like that you started off with this in the book because it is such a critical step before you engage in learning a new language or a new skill or learning how to learn. It's important that you awaken and attune to the impact that these elements, whether it's a subconscious mind, if you're not in the right state and you already have these, these limiting beliefs around yourself, because we might be more inclined to self-sabotage. We might not enter the review time in our calendar. We may not take the time to do the things that we know we should be doing. And I, if with your permission, I just want to read this excerpt that you wrote around the inner critic in your book. May I read this paragraph? Yes. The inner critic isn't harmless. It inhibits you, it limits you, and it stops you from pursuing the life you truly want to live. It robs you of peace of mind and emotional well-being. And if left unchecked long enough, it can even lead to serious mental health problems like depression and anxiety. Now this is, you know, it would be reasonable to say that this is a quality of life issue as well. So yes, we should be applying this when we are trying to better ourselves, but it is also so important to understand when the inner critic is at play, right? When it shows up in your life. And we've talked a lot about, we talked a lot about this in, in our first conversation. So we can, you know, for the listener, episode two is the one you want to review here. But I, I was just having, I was having a conversation with um, Dr. Kelly Brogan. Mm. I know, you know, we were, uh, her episode is coming out uh, after yours, but she was talking about this inner child as being this like little kid in the back seat who's like screaming, go faster, turn left, not there, you know, and our job as an adult is to be like, you know, being in the driver's seat and turning back and being like, okay, sweetie, I know you're scared. I got it. But mama knows where she's going. You know, like we, like we got this, we can do this together. And, you know, in a neuroscience, I guess if we're talking about this in, in the context of neuroscience, this would be like frontal lobe regulation where you are emotionally regulating some of the more primitive areas uh, uh, or limbic centers really um, in your brain. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better 
at checkout. So I, I'm, I'm interested um, uh, to know from you in terms of uh, what has been for you a useful technique, either for you or your students in terms of, so we've talked about faster, but when we talk about reframing uh, your BS, right? Reframing what you right. call your BS or your belief systems, what has been uh, useful strategies or techniques that you yourself have employed or that you've noticed that your students have, uh, have undergone? Absolutely. So I believe that these beliefs, you know, again, Henry Ford said, if you believe you can or believe you can't, either way, you're right. And all behavior is belief driven. It's kind of like this self-talk. If we talk about the brain as like a supercomputer, your self-talk is the program that will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering people's names, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. I, I believe that if people truly understood uh, and I could appreciate how powerful their mind is, they wouldn't say or think something they didn't want to be true. And that's not to say you have one negative thought and your life is ruined any more than eating that one junk food. That one junk food, that ruins your life, but it's the consistency of it. And we know that you know uh, neurons that, 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 that fire together, they wire together, and we can get in this habit. And so the first place to start I would recommend is just the self-awareness, knowing that it's there. It's really hard to change something if, you, if you're not aware that it's there, you're not conscious or mindful of it. And that, that's part of this exercise is, is a big journey of self-awareness about our habits, our habits or our thoughts. Um, even self-awareness about the methods, when we go into the methods, of is, this, is repetition and just repeat learning you know, something, just is that really the best way of, 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 sol of learning, uh, remembering something or critical thinking? Most people don't have a strategy for make solving problems or decision making. So we have a lot of methods for that, but it's, they're not even aware that they have a preset way of doing it and one way of looking at a, at a problem. So I would say at a meta level, self-awareness is a superpower for, for everybody. I also yeah. think we're talking about you know, state management uh, is that, and, and by the way, when I'm talking about state, like if you look at the faster mo model, like that, those, those, you know, handful of six things, if you just, if everyone did the opposite, what would be, how would happen? If you just, if you didn't forget about your limitations, if you didn't forget about, you know, the things that you know about a subject, how are you going to learn something new? Or if you're the opposite of active and just passive, how's that learning experience? Or if your state is zero or boredom, how well are you going to learn? Or if you're learning just, you know, for, uh, to learn for yourself as opposed to teaching it to somebody else, what's the ramifications of that? If you're not putting in your calendar, entering in your calendar, what'll happen there? Or if you're not reviewing the material, what'll happen? So the opposite is also true. But the self-awareness coming back to this talk, part of it is going back to the S, is state, is this, is this curiosity mindset. Meaning I think one of the best ways of changing limiting beliefs or these lies, limited idea, entertain, or BS, these belief systems, is having the curiosity to go back and saying, you know, where did this come from? You know, is, it, is, is, this, is, this, is this something that's real or is this something that, that, that I'm currently entertaining? Or asking yourself a question, is it possible this is not true? You know, and including doubt in there about something around something that you inherently have knowledge and wisdom that it's not getting you the result that that you want. Is it really true that I have a horrible memory? And just really evaluating that, it, meaning that are there times where I could prove do I have evidence saying that the opposite, where I do have a great memory? Are there times where I remember certain things? 
and be able to build evidence and a case for, for the opposite. I also think that besides self-awareness and having curiosity, and part of the curiosity you know, leads to this, which is, which is your own research. You know, in the book, we talk about these lies of learning, and then I present research to counter some of these lies, whether it's, you know, a fixed mindset or our IQ and intelligence is something, you know, that we, we talk the myths, if you will, that we introduce in the book. And then we go into research telling people, you know, what, what science is saying mm-hmm. you know, is more accurate. And then we take through, through a process where we define what the lie is, we give them the, the, the evidence to, to, to counter that. And then we introduce a new belief into the fold that's more empowering, you know, that usually is the opposite of what's holding, what's holding them the back that's keeping it in their, in their own mind. But the self-awareness, I would start there. And that's what comes up when we meditate. That comes up when we create some white space in our life where we could actually sit down and just reflect and, think and you use some critical thinking thinking and some reasoning and analysis things that we teach in later chapters um, also journaling is a wonderful way to be able to capture your current thoughts like a snapshot of your mood and I like that also because it's interesting for me because I have journals you know on my shelf from years ago and I get to go back five years or you know, six years and read what not only what was going on in my life, but also how I felt about certain things and, and my mindset about the world, my mindset of what are my capabilities, my, my beliefs and my values. And I think a big part of life is just knowing yourself, you know, having the curiosity to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also once you're getting to know yourself, having the courage to, to also be yourself, you know, which is a total different set of, set of skills. Let's talk about a few of those lies. We don't have to go. I know you outlined seven of them and we can certainly do that, but let's just, some of the really common lies that we either uh, adopt from society or from the people around us around learning. So you mentioned one around this intelligence is fixed, like this fixed versus growth mindset. And some of that is really driven from, we just look at one measure of intelligence, which is the IQ or the, the IQ uh, test. Right. So can you maybe talk a little bit about that and we can go into some of the other ones that you feel are very common sure. lies that people tell themselves or they adopt. I, I think back in school, a lot of this was imprinted on us where we evaluated, like we didn't do well on a standardized test, like the SATs or something like that, you know, which only tests for maybe verbal and mathematical, but that we know that there's, you know, multiple forms of intelligence or, or genius. And we know two things that it's not fixed. Like, you know, like we were, like a lot of people assume that you take an IQ test when you're eight years old and that's the same number, that's your number till you're 88 years old. Right. It's said. It also means that it's what, what the evidence is, is, is suggesting in studies is that there's not just one form of intelligence. So intelligence is not fixed. It can be improved because I could, in, in the book, we get tactics on how to improve all these areas of intelligence. And there's not just one or two, there's multiple forms. So another form of intelligence that we talk about in the thinking chapter are things like interpersonal intelligence like people who are just great with people. And you think about the careers of people that would, would fall under that category, you know, whether they're coaches, whether they're teachers, uh, could be a, a therapist. People have great inter, uh, 
an interpersonal connection. Maybe they could be politicians, they could be salespeople. Um, there's also intrapersonal intelligence, where interpersonal is self to others, intrapersonal is self is, is self to self. Mm-hmm. You know, people who really are attuned to their own psychology, they have a high uh, genius of self-awareness, and they have a deep understanding of the human condition, and those could uh, express themselves in careers like maybe therapists, right? People who, who understand um, are philosophers, people understand, you know, individuals. But then also you have musical intelligence, right? You, you have body kinesthetic intelligence. You have the great athletes and the great composers, uh, dancers, um, martial artists, uh, Cirque du Soleil, uh, you know, all, all of these people. Serena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And two yeah. individuals who just really stand out yeah. in all different categories. And some people have are extraordinary in multiple forms of intelligence, you know, and I, and I really do not believe that genius is born. I think it's built and I make a case for it in the actual book. It's one of the myths that that genius can be built. It can be trained uh, in these areas because in the book we document different things you could do to elevate your intelligence in those areas. Mm. Right. And so you have visual spatial intelligence. And these are your great graphic artists, the great architects, Right, the, the the people who are who have are who are amazing um, to be able to to lay out. They have this amazing interior designers, the, the feel for the aesthetics, you know, and, and the visual arts. So that that's a big one because I feel like sometimes in school you're tested for certain subjects, and ten percent of people maybe got A's, ten percent got B's, but like the eighty percent of most of us. You know, it was like kind of like we were falling short of school as opposed to school falling, you know, falling short for, for, us. for us. Yes. And so those kind of things. Another myth or lie is just the one we introduced in the beginning of this conversation is that knowledge is power. And I just I, I just want to reiterate that knowledge at best is potential power. You know, somebody knowing something it doesn't make you any better off than somebody who doesn't know it unless you're taking action. So we make a big case for that knowledge and true understanding is your ability to act on this knowledge and, and turn into power. There's another myth that, that you and I, we've discussed is that, that you only use 10% of your brain. This is uh, a really funny one to me. I don't know where this came from. And you, you document in the book, you know, the ideology of it, but it's always been a funny one for me to think that we only use 10% of our brains. So I'd love right. for you to comment and, and, on this. And the reason why I just brought that one up, because that was, that was a late addition to it, is just I realized that having that myth that we're only using 10%, it holds us back because it means like, like, hey, you know, we have, we have a, a finite amount of those resources. And what I realized is it's kind of silly to say you use 10% of your brain. That's like, like I only use 10% of my body. Right, it's like right. we use all of our body, which stuff our brain is part of our body. But some people use it more efficiently and more effectively than others. Some people's bodies are they're just more fit because they've been trained. And so when 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 they're under physical stress, like they're hiking up a mountain or something, they don't have to exert the same amount of force or energy as somebody who is not trained. But they're still using you know their whole body, if you will. And I find the same when people need to learn. Um, they're using, you know, they can use all their brain, but some people are just more mentally fit. So they get through that reading or that listening or that writing a lot more effectively. 
because they have strategies, they have skills, like any sport, you have the strategies that are there and then those people are also physically and mentally fit. And the same goes for having someone having great focus. Same for people who seem to be able to solve every problem on their own because they're, they're, they've built those muscles and they have strategies. The challenge is a lot of those strategies are unconscious because a lot of genius um, and their people or extraordinary in certain areas, but they're not consciously aware of how they're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, because they picked it up maybe at an early age and they're, they're unconsciously confident. They're just doing it as if it's second nature, but they're not consciously aware of how they're doing it. So it's really hard for them to teach somebody else or show their kids how they're doing it because they take it for granted because it's just how they read mm-hmm. or it's just how they solve problems. And part of this book is an owner's manual for your brain to show people the method behind what looks like magic, that pe- the magic people are creating. There's always a method behind it. Yeah, and you know, this idea around genius is born, that's one of the myths that you talk about. And it was, it was a really, when I was reflecting on the content that you were laying out, I was thinking to myself, this is 100% true. Like the first day of my practice, when I, you know, board certified, you know, ready to practice with my patients, the first patient I treated, <laughs> I mean, God bless her, uh, you know, was very different in terms of, you know, the last patient that I treated when I decided to, you know, close my, like that was a 16 year span, you know, multiple patients every day, five days a week for 16 years. I mean, the, yeah. the, you could make the argument that, uh, uh, it is the well. It is the argument that it is the consistent and persistent application of the framework over time that leads to the mastery. That is that people will say, "Wow, that's genius!" Or "Look, he was an overnight success," or you know whatever it is. And I always, you know, tongue in cheek say, "Well, that's why doctors call it a practice. We don't call it a perfect. <laughs> we have a practice because we are continuously practicing our craft. It is the art and science of." You know, yeah. in my case, chiropractic or medicine or nursing or whatever it is. So- yeah, there's a story I put in there, like a little anecdote about, um, uh, you know, uh, a kingdom and you have the, you have the king there and, and there's, a, it, it, there's this uh, person who performs magic in front of the king and the, and the, and the king's like, this, this man is amazing. This, this guy is an absolute genius and, uh, and his counselor was like, you know, I'm here, sire, he, this is wild. This looks amazing. And this command is absolutely extraordinary. You know, genius is, is built. It's, it's not, it's not born because the king was saying that this guy was born with such incredible gifts and such an amazing talent he was born with this, 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 this incredible this skill. Right. And the king was so offended by that comment from the counselor. And he was like, you're absolutely wrong. You know, genius, this, this genius was born. He was born, he was born this way. And to teach the counselor a lesson, he locked him in the basement, right? And then like this, this, this prison basement area. And, uh, and then he said, to keep you company, you know, so you're not lonely, I'm going to give you two more of your kind, you know, two little swine, two little like piglets, if you will, two little baby pigs. And the counselor wanted to use, utilize his time. He would go up and down the stairs, just keep himself busy holding each of these little piglets every single day as a form of, you know, exercise and engagement. And eventually these, these piglets grew into these big pigs, these big boars, if you will. And he was doing it and the counselor just got extremely 
like strong, I mean, rugged, rugged uh, strength of, of, of a human being. And one day the king says, like, I wonder where that counselor is. He just has random thought, you know, all this time. I wonder how he's doing. I wonder if he learned his lesson. And he calls for him and the counselor shows up and he is just like this perfect specimen, physical specimen. And the king's like, oh my God, this, 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 guy, this guy, he's like, he's born with these incredible genetics and these incredible gifts. And what does the counselor say? He says the same exact thing as he said before. He's like, genius is, is, is not born. It, it, is, it is built through daily, exactly what you said, daily, consistent, persistent action. Because I believe consistency compounds that little by little, a little becomes a whole lot. Yeah. And in throughout the book, you know, we put dozens upon dozens of these small, simple steps, like that counselor was taking on the stairs, holding the pigs, and they're very simple, and anyone can do it in less than 60 seconds. But those are the S3s throughout the entire, we call them quick starts. Throughout the entire book, I, I'll teach a lesson, and I'm just saying, hey, in 30 seconds, 60 seconds, I want you to apply this. And they're small little steps, so when people get through this hero's journey by the end, they've accumulated so much strength, so much power, you know, so much discipline in taking action that they've completely transformed. Let's talk about the distinction between purpose and passion. I loved this part of the book. So this is under the category of motivation. So we've been talking about the mindset arm and yep. talking about purpose and passion would fall under the motivation uh, arm how would you because those two words i find are used interchangeably like find your purpose that's your passion and i yep. think that there's a, a muddling of meanings and i like the way that you outline the definition so can you contrast those for for the listener absolutely so um for for to keep it simple for me and this is just my my take on it um certain words sometimes are used interchangeably as you mentioned um my little pet peeves I have about things like an example I use like nice and kindness. It's sometimes people say kind and nice the same, but they, they mean they, 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 there's, there's, the difference is very distinguished for me. Like somebody could treat you very nice at the grocery store, but it doesn't mean they're, they, they care about you. For me, kindness comes from a place of, of caring. You're going out of your way to, to, to help, to be able to support, to cheerlead somebody, um, where nice could be placating, right? And so these, like, this, these little words. And so passion and purpose, for me, for example, passion is, is very simplified for me. It's just passion is what lights you up. And I don't think it's just you're limited to one passion. I feel like that you could be passionate about a lot of things. I also think that a lot of people are trying to find this, but they should, it's passion could also be built over time that you could, you, part of being a human being, you know, in this lifetime, that we have this lifetime to be able to kind of figure things out is to introduce yourself with, to novelty, you know, especially for your kids, introduce them to enough novelty and then see what they get excited about. When people are afraid, though, sometimes adults, we don't want to act on it, um, meaning we're afraid of how we're going to look or something like trying new things. I always recommend people try something at least three times, just as a kind of a rule. Try something that if you're being called to something, like try it, number one, to uh, just get over your fear of it. Try it, number two, to, to get decently good at it. Try it again to see if you are passionate about it or if you do enjoy it and like it. So passions, you can have multiple uh, passions and it's something that lights you up. For me, my passion is learning, right? I, I just love, love, love to learn. 
purpose though, where passion is what lights you up, purpose in my mind, how I filter it is what lights other people up. You know, how do, how do you, so for me, I could use my passion, which is learning, and I could, you, I could teach other people how to learn, and that allows me to take my passion and merge it with my purpose, which is helping other people with their actual learning. Um, and I also feel like that people try to find their, these things, it's kind of like, um, like dating or relationships. It's, it's, you know, you, you expose yourself to, uh, you know, different people, different novelties. You get to know, you know, what, your, your, what values you have and how you connect with, with people. And then it, it's, but it's built over time, right? And so you have to build it every single day like you would, like you would a relationship. And so when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about what lights me up as my passion, and then my purpose is how I could take it potentially to, to light somebody, somebody else up. And I like this because, again, when you get back to this idea of genius leaves clues, you know, you talk, you've, you've shared your story uh, to the Better Podcast uh, listenership before, where you've talked about you were the guy with the broken brain and you were supposed to do this project and you were so excited. And then the teacher threw you this curveball and said, well, you're actually going to public speak now. You're going to present to yeah. the class. And now that's what you do. <laughs> you, you public yeah. speak and you teach about brains, which sometimes I, I get the question a lot well, how do you figure it out? Like, how do you figure out what your purpose is? How do you figure out what your passion is? And sometimes it's your, it's your deepest sensitivity. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's where you've struggled the most in, in your life. And that, you know, this idea around genius leads clues or the, I'm going to misquote it, but the, the roomy quote where it's like the wound is where the light enters. Some, some, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like that. You know, for if you're listening to this and you're saying, well, I just, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Jim Quick, look who he is. He's the celebrity memory coach. He's the, he speaks on all these big stages, but it wasn't like that for you. I mean, this was something that was petrifying and terrifying for you to the point where you ran <laughs> away from it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not just that I was an introverted, you know, and my whole, my, my fan is the culture that I was in also as well my, with, with my family. But I, when I had my accident and I couldn't do these things, I became painfully shy. So my, my, my superpowers growing up, if you don't, if you feel like you're broken, you don't feel like you have a lot to offer other people. So my, my, my ability to be able to shrink and not be seen was was incredibly honed because I didn't want to be called on in class and I'd sit all the way in the back if I could and I would always compress myself because I didn't want to take up a lot of space and um, superpowers really literally was shrinking and becoming invisible and um, and doing that public speaking you know, when I, I literally did the book report I spent you know a good weeks and weeks and working at it and the day it was due, due I, my, my dad had it professionally bound for me you know I was like it was like symbolized something very special that I was it was like my, my, my value that I could really do this I could accomplish something because I was failing out of high school English and that was my way of getting extra credit so I could pass mm -hmm. and when the teacher threw me that curveball and said come up front and speak on it I was so terrified I couldn't even breathe my heart was like out of my chest, I, I just lied and said I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And you could see her disappointment in her face. And then when the class cleared and the teacher left, you know, I remember leaving 
I took the that book report out of my backpack and I just threw it in the trash. And it felt like, you know, I was also throwing away my potential or my, you know, my, my, my worth, if you will. And this sounds kind of traumatic, but when you're that age and you've just never amounted to a lot or was able to, you know, had all these limits that in these areas, then it became like part of my identity and that's what I was integrating. But it's interesting how uh, difficult times they could define you, they could diminish you or they could develop you that sometimes adversity is an advantage. That if I look back on my life, the things that I was most embarrassed about, you know, my, I mean, my family, they, they immigrated here. My dad was 13 years old, didn't, didn't speak the language. His, both his parents had passed away, um, couldn't afford to feed him, came here to, to live with aunt and uncle. We lived in the back of a laundromat that my mom worked at. I mean, it was, a, you know, there wasn't a lot of resources, education, contacts, money or anything else like that. But I really think that adversity could be an advantage because things that I was most ashamed of growing up as a kid, like these this, these challenges and the head injury or the public speaking or, you know, like not having a lot, like I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of now. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to come on the other side of that and um, that your struggles can lead to strengths. And ultimately, like I, I opened the book, you know, kind of early on with this quote from a French philosopher that says that life is the C between the B and the D. Life is the C between the B and the D. And people are thinking I'm speaking in tongues or code. The B stands for birth, the D stands for death, and C stands for choice. And that's really what life is. That's what happiness is. It's like the sum total of all the choices we've made up to this point, you know, has given us the life that we have. And the message of the book is, you know, how conscious are you of these choices, of these beliefs, of what motivates you, of what you're putting in your body, of how you're sleeping, of how, of how you're reading or learning or thinking about things. And, um, and maybe there potentially could be a better way. And um, that's why I love the title of your podcast so much. I was jealous. I was, I was really happy for you, and I was also also jealous because I that that's my dominant question: how how do I make this better? Yeah. You know, growing up with you know a lot of kind of lack, um, I, I was always in comparison, even before social media. I was like, how come that person is so you know I'm working so much harder studying, and that person's doing better? And I was like, how do I do this better? And how do I do this better? And you ask that question enough, and you come up with some some answers. Yeah. And you and I resonate on so many different wavelengths because I know the book is called Limitless. That is one of my, you know, when I, when I was starting the new year, Limitless was one of my, I have five words that I want to channel every single day. So it's my five words are glamorous, limitless, luminous, strength, and confidence. So I was thrilled, you know, we, we, you and I are very, um, very similar. So I, you are asking how to be better and I'm asking how to be less. So I, I, I love that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about sleep. So in the book, you, you you go into the physiology of how to keep your brain in good health, reducing inflammation through movement, through nutrients. You give, I mean, you even give sh- like recipes in the book. It's, it's, it's wonderful. One of the things I know just in, you know, the conversations that we've had is sleep has been this ongoing struggle for, for almost as long as I've known you. I think it's gotten better recently, but I would, I would love 
to for you to share what your rituals are around sleep, particularly, and I'd like you to contrast them if there is if there is a difference between when you're at home and you have the luxury and you can luxuriate in the time of an evening routine, and then potentially when you're traveling where you may be crossing time zones and you know pl- you know travel in general can be rather fatiguing. So, can you talk about your sleep rituals? And contrast them if, if you uh, if you have uh, different yeah. rituals. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so sleep. Um, I, it was as for for years I had challenges with my sleep um, because I was not diagnosed with um, when I went to UCLA. I got this big sleep study done years ago, and it looked like that I, I actually have sleep apnea, very severe sleep apnea, where I would stop breathing over two hundred times every single night, mm. and every single time an episode was measured by at least 10 seconds and the doctor was like no wonder you're not sleeping it's like somebody's coming in with a pillow and putting it on your face 200 times a night and you're waking up because you can't breathe and they put me on a, a CPAP breathing device and it, you know I can then that wasn't working real well they built me a dental device and all these things and my sleep really wasn't uh, improving very much and on top of it, I had this surgery um, where they, they call it a U-triple-P, where they cut out your, your tonsils, your uvula, soft palate, because it, it was an obstructive physiological challenge. I've later found out that both my parents and siblings, they all have sleep apnea. So part of it was this kind of genetic lottery that I that Mechanical, I Mechanical, yes, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and then it was exasperated, though, because all through high school and college, I had very poor sleep hygiene because in order to keep up, I would pull all these all-nighters all the time. So at a very young age, I was training myself just to not sleep because I had to work three times harder than everybody else. And all-nighters are not good for the brain. They're certainly not good for memory. But, um, but I had these, these, these challenges. And so um, sleep, you know, when it comes to your cognition, we know that it's like it's top of the list, right, for your brain. It's when you consolidate short to long-term memory. So if anyone's having memory, long-term memory issues, check your sleep. It's where you um, clean out beta amyloid plaque that potentially could lead to brain aging challenges. It's also where you dream. You know, we talk, you and I have talked about in the past how in our dreams we're, we're very creative and come up with ideas and inventions and s- solutions to problems, all that. Mm. Uh, and so I really dialed in sleep, making that a priority. It was, it was very difficult also, exasperated not just by what I did in school, all those all-nighters. It's just when I found my purpose, um, you know, teach people how to learn, I would be on planes all the time. There's one year I was on over 240 days out of the year just not sleeping at home. And so that's a lot of time zone, international uh, travel. And so typically, so my, the good news is my sleep has improved um, a lot more of recent. Um, with friends like yourself, I'm, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've texted you after you posted like your sleep score on Instagram. Or <laughs> I was like, "Are you gonna have REM sleep? Right? Are you gonna have deep sleep?" Because my, my sleep is definitely not perfect. Because you know, it, it, some things take a little bit more time. You know, to be able to you know turn a cruise ship like just on a dime. And um, so I, I know what, what it feels like for literally over a decade or more just not getting it. I mean, I was averaging about two hours, three hours of sleep a night. I mean, that's how severe, interrupted, waking up over that time nine to 14 times just because of, of my, my issue. And so um, it made me do a lot of episodes on the nature of sleep 
and interviewing a lot of our mutual friends, uh, doctors and, and biohackers and just experts on sleep. So for me, I keep it very, very simple, my, my sleep regimen now, because um, it's not, I wasn't, I fall asleep in like four minutes because my mind is, is not racing at all. Like it's like, I'm, you know, I meditate and I would do all these recovery and I have a, a flow tank and I do all these things to rejuvenate myself. But um, falling asleep is not the issue because I'm not ruminating over things because I have, you know, very good mind, mind control, if, if you will. Yes. Um, but part of it is, um, you know, the ones that you've talked about on your show, uh, temperature is a big deal for me. Um, so I have the, I have the, the pad and I have the blanket on top, you know, the weighted blanket that's also cooling also as well. I'm testing right now a cooling device that goes around my forehead um, that keeps you, you know, that keeps the temperature cool um, because I know I'm, I think everybody is a little bio-individual. Some people are ultra sensitive to temperature. Other people are very ultra sensitive to light. Um, when I travel, I do, I do do everything I can to be able to light proof the room. I literally bring tape and like these clips to be able to kind of keep the curtains closed and everything because I am I am ultra sensitive light sleeper in general. Um, so temperature, light is a big deal. Um, when I'm here, I'll do like these um, magnet. Like we have, I have a sauna and a cold plunge here, so I'll also do that where I could kind of downregulate. My whole life has been really spending time getting like getting in the parasympathetic, whether it's body work or, or doing something physical for me to get in my body where I can rest, digest, recover. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes take a warm bath uh, and put Epsom salt. So I think the magnesium, is, is it helps me uh, to sleep better also as well. I'm okay with sound. Sound doesn't bother me, but sometimes I'll, I will play some kind of sleep meditation music. I don't keep my phone in the bedroom because I feel like I have conversations with a lot of individuals like uh, like Simon Sinek and we've had videos done together talking about just, just having a phone like at the dinner table just creates anxiety, just the sight of it. Even if it's face down, you know, it makes a difference. And I feel like having the phone in the room um, is this unconscious attachment where I could just kind of grab it. So I, I'm, I'm really big on setting up this sleep sanctuary or my environment. Now, when I travel, Obviously, I don't have like some of this technology or our, you know, I've conditioned, I only use my bedroom, you know, I mean, that, that's the other thing about learning is like we, we, we anchor certain states to the environment that we're in. And so that's why you shouldn't be doing work in the bedroom or just like, like, like my, my computer, I only use for work, but I have an like iPad for more entertainment, but I don't use that for for work also. So I've trained myself for objects and location to access certain states. In the bedroom, I just, I, I want to be able to rest. I don't want to be, able, I'm not working at all in the, in the bedroom. Um, or if I get up in the middle of the night, I can't go back to sleep, I'll go into my office and I'll just, I'll work then. Mm -hmm. um, when you travel, when I travel, sometimes I don't have the luxury of some of these, some of this technology, but I'll still keep it to the basics. Um, which is light, which is temperature, which I can control. Sometimes I'll get a, uh, a room with uh, people see me on Instagram do this all the time, but both with, with the bathtub, and I'll literally make trips to the, the ice, ice machine. Literally every <laughs> Love time that. Because I'll do my ice baths because it is, it is very healing and nurturing for me also as well. Um, I'm experimenting a little bit with lion's mane for, for REM sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, REM, I noticed that my REM goes down, like my cognitive, uh, you know, like I, I, 
it's not performing as well as well. When my, my deep sleep is out of whack and physically I could feel it also also as well. What would, what would you say for you? Because this is actually just a hot topic for me. What, what are your like three things? So when I'm traveling, it is the, so at home I have a very similar routine as you. So one of the things I try to do when I first wake up in the morning is expose myself to light. So I'll try to go to the window or if I can go, you know, I'm, I'm in Toronto right now, so it's not the best weather uh, in March. Like it's a little unpredictable. So I'll try to at least get beside a window or go outside. So I'm getting that natural light. So I'm getting that circadian rhythm information like the, the SCN or the area that looks at light. Uh, well, I'm blasting about, it. What about the red light? therapy. Yeah. So that's another, I have uh, a red light, a little mini travel. uh, Juve is the company, no affiliation, but uh, I will just blast myself for 10 minutes with that red light. When I'm traveling, this is my little hack. And I I want you to try this and then I want you to tell me if it works for you. So I, I always do the blackout blinds, but one of the things that I often will use is socks. So I will wear socks to bed because what we're, what we're talking about when we're trying to, when you're trying to cool down your temperature, you're trying to cool down your core body temperature. And I don't know if this is just me being female, but my hands and my feet tend to be a little colder. So when my feet and my hands are cold, I'm more uncomfortable. But if I have socks on, I can bring the heat, like I can, you know, charm the heat from my core to my feet. And that's a way to evaporate or that's a way to expel some of the core body heat. So I find that when I sleep with socks on when I'm traveling, I know it's not the sexiest, but it, it you know, it works. Um, I would love for you to try it and, and tell me what you think, because that's been the big changer for me when I wear socks in a wow. hotel room overnight. And I keep the room like, you know, they have the little thermometers that you can set the or the thermostats where you can set the temperature. So I usually try to keep it at around 68 or 69. Um, but the socks are the thing that really works for me. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm all on that. Yeah. So try that. Tell me what you think. Like text me uh, n- next time you're out of town and tell me how that works for you. I have my superhero socks. Superhero socks. And what the other thing I wanted to talk about, which I was so excited about, was the dream recollection that you talked about in the book. And I have to, uh, I have to tell you, I the other day, um, you know, regular night sleeping, whatever. And uh, Giovanni and I, my partner, who uh, you are very good friends with, uh, we woke up, and he looked at me and he said, "Steph, what?" do you remember anything about last night? Like, do you remember anything that was happening? And I'm like, no, what happened? And he was like, you were for about an hour speaking full on French to who I don't know. But I was, he was like, at first I thought it was gibberish. And then he leaned in closer and I was like, you know, on some soliloquy. I mean, that was my first language. I I spoke French um, first. So, and I I don't use it as often um, living in, in where I do. But anyway, so it's funny for me because I know I have these crazy dreams. I know I go on these cosmic journeys and it, there's, that, <laughs> there's that point for yeah. me right before I wake up where I can remember them and like the second I open my eyes, it's gone. So yeah. I wanted to talk about, and this is, you know, for my own, because I want to start recording my dreams because I don't do that. Sure. I wanted you to maybe talk a little bit about your protocol for this because this was and I want I have a couple questions about it but can you share how you record your dreams absolutely um so the importance of this for me is we'll probably spend about 20 years of our life sleeping 
maybe three to five of them in totality dreaming. And that's a, that's a big chunk of time um, that we're investing in that process. And for me, dreams are a wonderful source of treasure. Um, when I started doing research on dream states and remembering dreams and creativity, I always saw this theme come up where in create inventions and works of art, literature, music came from dream states. Mm. Like, uh, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream. Like she tramped a Frankenstein. That's amazing. Um, Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday in his dream. Uh, a chemist came up with the framework of the periodic table in a, in a dream, right? Elias Howe, who's an inventor, came up with the sewing machine in his, in his dream. And, you know, athlete upon athlete, so many examples, like Jack Nicholas was shooting high 70s and he was in a real slump and he had a dream of just changing his grip and it was so real for him that he tried it the next, he remembered it and he tried it the next day and shot like mid 60s and he got back on, got back in the, in his zone, if you will. So your brain doesn't, we know from the research that our brain doesn't shut off at night. If, if anything, sometimes it's even more active in certain regions. And what are we doing? We're consolidating short to long-term memory. Um, but we're also coming up with ideas. Because if you're studying all day as a student or you're learning all day as an entrepreneur, your brain is, is still continuing that process. And um, this is not dream interpretation. This is just, you know, we're talking about dream recollection. Now, the power of your mind, is, it's interesting. Um, so in there, I give a framework, which we can go through very, very quickly. Um, of course, it's an acronym like everything else is because I want to make it very easily memorable for you. Um, so people have to refer back to the book if they don't need to. But dreams, right? Dreams. And just remember dreams. The D, D in dreams stands for decide. Really decide that you're going to remember your dreams. And I think the, that intention is just really important because most people don't really decide to remember someone's name. They don't decide to actually really decide to read a book a week or decide with full decision like and resolution that they're going to learn a language. And so start with the idea that you want to make, set that intention and actually decide, like make a real decision that you're going to because your mind, your mind knows the difference between something you're just interested in and something you're truly deciding. The R in uh, dreams stands for record. And we know this, and I have a dream journal that's just dedicated. That's what I have um, on the side. I have two journals on the side of my bed, um, and one of them is a dream journal, and I'll write on it, and I feel like that you need to be able to capture that and when you could record it. Now, some people don't like to, to write. Um, sometimes I'll have, like, I have a pen that has a little light on it, so then if I wake up in the middle of the night and it's something that's juicy, I'll write it down. Um, also, uh, sometimes I'll audio record it also as well. So I'm not my phone, but I have an audio recorder that if I wanted to, to go back and reflect on it without you know, make yeah. my, turning the lights on and everything else, yeah. that's the way of recording it. Um, and what you're doing is you're putting conscious attention towards your dreams, right? When you're deciding to do it, when you're recording it, you're putting more energy there, which that alone, putting your attention to something, just like putting your attention on the person's face or putting your attention to the person's name, you're more likely to... It makes it more memorable, right? The E in, uh, in dreams is, is stands for eyes, and it helps to be able to keep your eyes shut. And you have to train yourself to do this. But a lot of times we forget our dreams just because we have outside distraction. And immediately when we open our eyes, our, you know, our attention goes elsewhere. And so you can start training yourself when you wake up to keep your eyes closed as you're going through and kind of reflecting on your dream. 
and re kind of rehearsing and reviewing your dream before you actually write it write it down. Um, the A is affirm, and this is actually really big. This is something that's very interesting. Have you ever? Um, this is actually what I started doing a few years ago, which led to extraordinary results. Have you ever had to wake up the? You know, you're going to bed. You're setting the alarm for especially something early, like you have to catch a flight or you have to get up especially early for something like 4.30 in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, something that's unusual than other times. Have you ever woken up like like a minute before your alarm yes. goes off? That yes. happens, right? Yeah. And isn't that an amazing, I mean, just, just think about it for a moment. You set an intention like, oh, and, and some energy towards like a goal. Like I want to, I want to wake up. I have to wake up at five o'clock. That's, that's my intention, right? Mm. You set an external alarm and you wake up within minutes of that alarm. Like what if the night before we set intentions for our dreams the night before, or like what we want to solve, like a problem, we open up a loop in our mind, not obsess about it where we're thinking, you know, our executive mind thinking about it all night, but just set an intention or write it down. It's like, Oh, I would like to meditate on this or sleep on this this problem or this, this is something I want to be able to create and then set that intention. And with that same power of you waking up almost to the minute when your alarm clock goes on, which is just astonishing. What if you set your, your affirmation, you started to affirm that you're going to, you're going to remember your dream and something you want to specifically program your dream to, to, to go, you know, to set an intention that way. Um, I also do this for lucid dreaming. I, I, um, a new episode coming out was specifically geared towards lucid dreaming. And one of the things you could start affirming um, is that you'll remember your dreams, but also you could affirm that you'll becoming aware of your dreams because a next level skill potentially for those interested in it is lucid dreaming, as you know, is lucid is awareness. It means that state where you know you're dreaming. Have you, are you, is this something you do naturally or something you've had? I think, I think so. Yeah. You know, it's like where you're you're in the middle of a dream and you realize that you're actually you're dreaming. dreaming. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that, that's uh, an area of lucid dreaming. Um, and so there's a process, just like with everything that looks like magic, it doesn't happen by accident. You could actually train yourself to be more lucid in your dreams. Mm. And, um, and, and what's the benefit of becoming aware of the dreaming process, like when you're doing it, it's that you could direct your dreams and kind of choreograph things. You could, um, people use it to lucid dreaming to face fears and phobias because they can introduce themselves to something that they're nervous about, mm. uh, but in a safe place, knowing that they're dreaming and get all the benefits of, you know, your sleep, you know, in terms, in terms of you know, using your dreams. And one of the things you could affirm is that I'm going to be, I'm going to be lucid when I'm, when I'm dreaming more, or you could train yourself to ask a question like, hundred times a day, ask yourself, am I, is this a dream? Is this a dream? Is this a dream? I know we're going off topic in terms of remembering your dream, but if you start asking yourself, you start to, to, to focus on it. And the first time the answer is yes, then you're like lucid dreaming, right? Or you could train yourself to have triggers like I do for my habits. Like maybe every time you walk through a doorway, you've trained yourself to ask yourself, is this a dream or something? So when you start doing it in a dream, you mm -hmm. trigger that memory and that, that, that those words, and then you becomes more conscious of it. But the A again in dreams are affirm. Um, the M in, uh, in dreams stands for manage. And what are you managing? You're managing your sleep, right? Because obviously you're not going to get those, those dreams if you're not getting quality sleep. And so we talked about that already. And then finally, the, uh, the S in uh, dreams stands for share. Get in the habit of sharing, not just recording, but get in the habits of 
talking to your significant other or, or other individuals about your dreams because it, again it's putting energy towards um, this process of dreaming and you get more conscious about it and you, you um, and then you so by sharing your dreams with other people, you start becoming more aware of your own dreams. And, uh, and you can share it many different ways. There's forums even online on Facebook and everything where people are sharing their dreams and they get in the habit. So even if you don't know somebody that'd be interested in hearing those dreams, you, um, you're, you're doing it in a way that's, that's enhancing your experience. That is fascinating. I'm going to start doing those because I know I go on crazy dreams. And like I said, there's this window right before I'm awake where I'm like, wow, that was a really crazy dream. And then just like you said, my eyes open and it's gone. And as Giovanni was like, you were like talking with your hands and talking in <laughs> French. And I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I think I was talking. And then it was kind of triggering things for me because it was right when I had woken up. And I was like, I think I was talking to, there was like this divine light. Like I thought I was talking to you know, name, whatever it is, God, source, whatever. And it was this big ball of sunshine that I was talking to. So it, I ended up being able to pick out some clues from my dream from him saying to me, you know, what he thought I was saying. And, you know, with his, I mean, my sleep French and his, you know, his, his what he thinks, you know, what he, his understanding of French is. So Jim, I just want to say to you that in my very humble opinion, this is one of the best books that I have read on learning. You really go through every possible scenario, whether it's all the different tenets of mindset, all the different tenets of motivation, and the different tenets of methods where you outline you know, how to think, which is incredible. Um, and I think it's a really timeless piece of work that people can come to over and over and over again, wherever they are in their growth to continue to level up and become, you know, the limitless, the better version um, of themselves. So we are timing this episode to, to release uh, with the book. Can you tell people where, is it in any store? Is it limitlessbook.com? Where can, where can people find the book and where can they order it? We did something very special. We, we created a, actually a 10-day program. So while people could go to the bookstore and they can go online to get it, if they go to limitlessbook.com, Mm -hmm. I recorded for them a coaching program where about 10 or 15 minutes a day for 10 days, we could make them, like, give them a quick start on becoming limitless. And so even when, before they even received the book, they could go through this program and learn some of the fundamentals to mindset, motivation, energy, speed reading, remembering what you read in this 10 day program. And it's something that we created absolutely free to celebrate the launch of the book and they can go to limitlessbook.com and all the information is there so when people order it they'll get immediate access to that program and um that alone it's it's interesting because i created it and so that people got so much value after the first like video so if you enjoyed this conversation that first video and second one uh, i feel like will absolutely blow your mind basically and, and prove to you that you are you are faster smarter than you than you could possibly think you are a kanye west song <laughs> faster better smarter harder yeah. longer yeah <laughs> jim i just want to thank you again it's always a pleasure when i get to have this time with you oh. and it's so precious to me and i just I'm so excited about this book. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this yeah. with our audience. Stephanie, can I, can I ask uh, for a challenge for everybody who's... Ooh. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, we did this last time and we got such a great response. If people uh, 
I remember we talked about teaching something and when you share it, you get to learn it twice. Yes. I would challenge everybody who's listening to this to screenshot this podcast episode or this video or picture of your notes and in the comments share like just one aha, like one thing that you got out of this conversation that you feel is a gem for you was uh, I call them brain drops or these little brain bites that or one new activity or action you're going to take because of it and post it on social media and tag Stephanie, tag myself, and uh, and I'll, I'll repost some of my favorites like we did last time. Yes. Because I really want to see what people, like what, what that one thing is that people could focus on or maybe one new activity that maybe just open them in a new direction. Um, and that's really the reason why, why I do what I do. You know, growing up as, as a kid with a broken brain, I just want to build better, brighter brains, better for sure, and and, um, and leave no brain left behind. So take a screenshot of your notes or this episode, tag us both, and then I will actually send, um, I'll send an advanced copy uh, to to our, my to my favorite one. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, and that's such a great Easter egg to have right at the end of the episode too, so I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much also for the for the cape that you wear. I, I have this like Captain Marvel statue and, 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 and Wonder Woman statue and I always, always think about you. So thank Aww. you for being a real life you, for so many people. And uh, thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you so much, Jim. You are such a delight. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship form, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Asima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.